You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Over the past few weeks, we have opened a new series on discipleship. And if you understand about what we do in Victory, we honor God and what? We make disciples. That's what we do. Forward really is our, is our series on discipleship, and we've been going through uh, forward in three segments. Okay, let me, just, let me just give you, according to our definition of a disciple, we've kind of made three segments for our series. It's a nine-week series, so we've divided it into three, all right? So according to our definition, what is a disciple? We've divided our series in this, okay? First of all, we talked about the fo- as a follower of Christ. You are actually a follower of Christ if you are a disciple, okay? Uh, and secondly, if you are a disciple, you fish for men, right? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? And thirdly, we have the fellowship of believers, right? So over the past three weeks, okay, we've talked about just this, basically how to follow Christ, right? Remember? The truth is we, we did three weeks on following Christ and Week one, we've talked about a, the spiritual discipline of reading the Word, right? You remember that? Week two, we talked about essential doctrines. We studied basically the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is very important, okay? There is no gospel without the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, which was last week, we've talked about life change, right? You're all here. I'm talking about, you know, um, if you are a disciple of Christ, right, there has to be life change. In other words, you have to have a life that is pleasing and holy before God, so you pursue holiness. And uh, for our second se- segment of the series uh, on forward, this is what we'll be talking about. It's about you fishing for men. Are you ready? Have you ever fished before? Yes. Great. Jesus will make you fishers of men. <laughs> but of all the people in the world, Jesus, during that time, chose fishermen, Okay. He did not choose the Pharisee, the Sadducee. He didn't uh, choose the, the expert of the law. But he chose lowly, ordinary fishermen. But 2,000 years later, today, 2,000 years later, we know them as the apostles, right? The disciples, the miracle workers, the world changers. Christianity will not be here today if not for these 12 men, right? Three, uh, 12 ordinary men. And it's amazing where we are right now because of them, fishers of men. Charles Charles Spurgeon says that when Christ calls us by His grace, we must not only remember what we are, but we must also think of what He can make us into. I love that. When Jesus said, follow me, He did not just say, follow me and be saved. No. Enjoy Christianity. No. He said this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He says, and he said to them, follow me. Can you read it aloud? And I will make you fishers of men. Now, if this is true, if this is what Jesus says, and this is what he told his disciples, then why is it even today professing Christians all around the world who claim to follow Jesus, they're not fishing for men, right? So my question is this, can we just follow Jesus and not fish for men? Can we just feel comfortable where we are? Can we just do that? Can we just uh, 
have fun every Sunday, right? Enjoy the worship service. Probably uh, enjoy your victory group if you are in a small group. And then that's it. Lord, I'm okay. I just want to be just where I am. See, if that is how we view Christianity, then we have not fully understood or grasped the gospel. Are you still here? You have all, you've missed half of it. If the only thing that we will do as born-again Christians is to get comfortable where we are, then we miss the whole gospel. You do not understand the implication of the gospel. In other words, you're just a recipient, but you're never the giver. You want it for yourself, and you don't want to share it. Can you imagine how self-centered that could be? But the reality is, all over the world, Christians, it's just a puzzle why they're not fishing for men. So if the gospel is just about us being saved, we're missing the full gospel. That's why the next three weeks, we'll find out how it is to fish for men. This week, we'll talk about understanding the gospel. Okay? We need to understand the gospel. And next week, in week five, we're going to talk about how to preach the gospel. And week six, we'll talk about the discipleship mandate. Okay? So the question remains, have we really fully understood the gospel? That's what we need to find out tonight. So if you're with me tonight, I want you to stand up and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Verse 36 to 38. Verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son to us. Lord, as we have opened the scripture tonight, Holy Spirit, it's our desire to understand the gospel. Lord, help us, Lord God, through the preaching of this word. Would you anoint the, the word that will come out from my mouth? And Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our spiritual eyes to understand, Lord God, what you're saying. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole background of the story is about Peter. And in fact, over the past few weeks, that's what we've been discussing. It's about the life of Peter, the disciple of Jesus. And we all know that this, this took place at the time of Pentecost. Okay? Remember the time a few weeks ago, we, we've talked about Peter basically... And the, whole, uh, the other disciples, during Pentecost, they, were, they experienced the Holy Spirit. You all, you all remember this, right? Remember that before Jesus ascended to heaven, He says, wait for the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and He will just come. So it came, we all know the tongues of fire came, there was a great wind, there was shaking, and then they started to speak in different tongues, remember that? And what happened was, when the Holy Spirit came to the disciples, they became courageous enough, to preach the word. And what we have read is part of that, the first preaching ever made in the history of the Bible. In other words, this is the first gospel preaching. What we've read? This is the first gospel preaching that Peter, you know, full of the Spirit, preached. 
to different men and about 3,000 men. In fact, the Bible in Acts 2, you'll find out that 3,000 men gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And there were like different nationalities who heard this. And what better way to understand the gospel? So we're talking about the gospel, right? If you really want to fish for men, you need to understand first the gospel. And what better way for us to understand this gospel is to really find out at the beginning, the first inaugural gospel preaching by Peter. And this is what we will find out. So we will going to look closely to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So, Imagine with me, they were, the, the disciples basically, during Pentecost time, they were there, and, and Peter stood up for the first time. Remember Peter, he denied Jesus three times, right? And here he comes, boldly comes, and then he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You see, if you want to understand the gospel, you need to understand first who our Lord Jesus is. Amen. You see, many people want to follow Jesus today because they're only interested in what Jesus can provide. It's kind of like, you know, Lord bless me. Kind of like, you know, there's nothing wrong, okay? Don't get mad at me. There's nothing wrong when you ask Jesus for blessing. But see, many people understood Jesus, especially in their time, to be the one that did the miracles. You all know, he made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He actually fed the 5,000. Remember that. We've talked about the miracles of Jesus. And, and all these people were looking at Jesus and not understanding who he is. In other words, people flock. People follow Jesus for what they can only get from him and not understand who he is. You see, that's a starting point of the gospel. There is no gospel if you don't know who Jesus is. Amen. Right? You just can't. So we need to find out from Peter. He was saying that Jesus is both Lord and Savior. Okay? Remember remember the time when Peter was talking with Jesus and the disciples? Remember this? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 uh, to 16, he said to them, Jesus basically saying this, But who do you say that I am? Okay? The other disciples, you know, the beginning statement of that, they said, you know, Jesus, you are uh, John the Baptist, you're Elijah. They had so many of people say, this, this is who you are, a prophet. And then, P- and then Jesus went to Peter and says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, this is epic. Okay? This is really epic. Why? Because this is what we call the, the, the rock of revelation. Remember that? And Jesus said to, to Peter, you know, this was not revealed to you by any man but my Father. And on this rock, Jesus says, on this rock, in other words, on this revelation, I will build my church. And this is where now Simon becomes Peter. Now you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my, my church. So who is Jesus? Okay, think about this. So three years later, understand that to Peter, Jesus is the Christ, right? To, to Peter, Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. 
But three years later, when the Holy Spirit came, he finally realizes that Jesus is not only the Christ. He says he is both Lord and Christ. It's an amazing thing. You know what I'm saying? People love the idea that Jesus saves, right? Love that idea. But about Him being Lord, it's, it's unheard of. But Peter boldly comes up and say, you know, this Jesus that you crucified, whom you crucified, well, He is both Lord and Christ. In other words, what Peter is saying is that you cannot separate Lord from Christ. You cannot dichotomize, you cannot dissect it, you cannot divide it. Jesus is one and the same. He's both Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord and Christ, period. But what does this really mean? Let's look closely. In verse 36, I said, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ is Jesus whom you crucified. Now, for our purpose, right? For our purpose, all right? We're not going to divide this, but just for our purpose, we'll study Christ and we're going to study Lord. Is that okay? Yes, okay. So starting with Jesus is the Christ. Okay, Jesus is the Christ. Now, Jesus Christ means that, in other words, He is the exclusive Savior of the world. That is, that's what He's saying. He's exclusively the authorized person to save the world. So Peter was saying to the, to the whole crowd, he says, let all the house of Israel know for certain that this Jesus, whom you crucified, well, he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, and you just killed him. In other words, your, your only one-way ticket to heaven, well, you crucified him. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Because there's no other name that can save us. That's what he was saying. Jesus is the Christ means in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, everybody say no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, according to Pastor Rice Brooks, Dr. Rice Brooks, um, one of, um, he's one of our founders, okay? Dr. Rice Brooks says, this is one of the most controversial and most hated verses in the Bible. Why? Because Jesus claims that He is the only exclusive Savior. It offends all the other religions. It offends them. Why? Well, because they're trying to work out their salvation and you're saying that you're the only one that can save us. That's, that's basically what they're saying. But Jesus was claiming, yep, that's me. So if you're sitting here and you're wondering how you can get to heaven, there's no other way but through Jesus Christ. If people out there are thinking that they can save themselves in this life, okay, from doing something else, they're, it, you know, well, we'll see each other in the end. But Jesus... The, the impact of Jesus is very simple, that He is the only way. He is the Christ. Okay? But Peter says He is both, what? Lord and Christ. Presenting Jesus as Savior alone, in other words, is not enough. Okay? 
He is Lord, meaning He is God first, incarnate. Okay? God incarnate. He became flesh. The Almighty Eternal Son, the God of the universe, who took the form of a servant and humbled Himself to the point of death on the cross. This one, He is Lord. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word. Remember this? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Peter was saying that this Jesus whom you crucified, He's both Lord and Savior. In other words, He is and has the full authority because He is God. Okay? He has the ultimate authority and He is the source of all grace and truth. So Jesus as Lord means this. Jesus did not become Lord when He saved you and me as Christ. In other words, He is and was and will always be Lord. You know, there are actually thinkers out there, many, many thinkers out there that says um, Jesus only became Lord when He became our Savior, which is totally wrong. Why is that? Now imagine with me, imagine with me, how can Jesus become our Savior if He is not Lord? I mean, who has the authority to save us from our sins? Only God. Only Lord. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 34, Peter wrote this on, of David. He says, For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself, the Lord, said to my Lord at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. In other words, Jesus was already existing as Lord throughout all eternity. And He became our Savior. So what am I saying? If He is not Lord, then He cannot be Christ. He cannot save us. He is powerless to save us. But we all know, but we all know today that He is not. He is Lord. He is the only authority to forgive us of our sins. He is Savior because He is God. That's about it. But here's the problem. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, it's easy for us to call on Jesus. Many times you, you go out of this, of this place, you go talk to somebody, and, you know, here in the Philippines, just in the Philippines, right? <laughs> you go out there and out of that door and just interview somebody. Do you know that Jesus is Lord? And they will all agree with you, right? They'll all agree with you. In fact, a lot of people understand that He is Lord. In fact, in other, you know, when you watch a basketball game, when they win a, a certain victory, what, what, what's the first thing that they say, you know, as the Lord, diba? I just want to give glory to, to the Lord, to the man upstairs. And we flippantly say that, not understanding the, the heaviness of calling Lord, Jesus as Lord. It's easy for us to say He is Lord, but not understand what is the meaning of Lord. Lord means we need to obey Him. It is easy really for us just to say Lord, but not fully obey Him. 
We want the blessings, right? How many of you love to be blessed? Come on. Truth be told, everybody wants to be blessed, right? But, okay, but are you willing to make Him your Lord? Meaning, He is over everything about you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, remember this, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, he says, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It takes obedience. You know what I like about what Dr. Ricebrook says? He says that a, a Christian, by definition, means a follower of Christ. Someone with heartfelt willingness to obey His commands and turn away from evil. Now, I have a question for you guys. Okay? When... When Jesus would say to you, love your enemies, will you still obey Him? When Jesus says, you know, forgive those who have offended you, will you do it? Especially when it hurts so, so much deep in your life. Or when Jesus would ask you, do not last with your eyes. Will you obey Him? When Jesus says, sin no more, are we still willing to obey Him? See, that's the thing. The, the, the challenge for us, you know, the truth is, the challenge for us is really on this word, obedience. You see, Jesus is Lord. And if we do not understand that Lordship demands our total obedience to Him, I don't think we've fully understood the gospel. See, Jesus has to be Lord over our lives. See, if we intend to follow Jesus, then we need to surrender. We need to submit to His Lordship. It's not a popular, <laughs> it's not a popular message, right? Because <laughs> I have to obey. You mean I have to obey fully the gospel? Uh-huh. The Word of God? Yes. It's difficult, right? It is difficult, but it demands all of us. If you are a follower of Christ, and if you're saying that Jesus is my Lord, then it demands full obedience, full submission to Him. God loves you, but you got to get this. Let's continue in our scripture. In verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were what? Cut through the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You see, when you have experienced and understood the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it cuts the heart. It's called conviction. Not condemnation, right? Big difference. Okay? Conviction is about being firmly convinced on what you're seeing, what you're believing Condemnation is about damnation. You know, you're, I'm condemned. I feel damned. I, there's no more hope for me. No, that's not what God is doing. God convicts the heart. So when Peter revealed Jesus, not just as the Savior, Christ, crucified, when he said that He is Lord, it was a different, it was a different scenario. You need to understand that 
during their time, it was Caesar. Julius Caesar was the one reigning, the emperor, right? And he was called the Lord. So it was a total, you know, total change of mindset and saying, what? You mean to say that Jesus is Lord more than, yes, that's what it is. But, but the Holy Spirit came and convicted the hearts of these people. And the, the, the thing that, that happened, the question was, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Rice also said this, that in essence, when Christ's lordship is properly proclaimed, there should be a right response. In other words, when you hear the word, there has to be a proper response. When you are convicted in the heart, the response is very simple, which is my second point, repentance. Okay? There has to be repentance. Um, I, I love my kids, all right? I, I love them so much. But um, when you make a rule and then they disobey it, it's just, uh, you know, how many parents do we have here? You know what I'm saying, right? And notice, notice this, when you catch them, right? When, you, when you're able to, uh, how do you call it? They're caught in the act of disobeying you. You know, they'll say, Dad, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry I won't do it again. And, you know, uh, of course, you know, we give, we give the rod, okay? So when they were kids, they were young ones. Uh, well, we, did, we give the rod. So what happened was, Dad, how many rods will you give me? One? Uh-uh. I said, we're going to give you five. <gasps> yeah. No, no. Until then, yeah. Don't worry about it. They're still alive till today. They're all grown-ups. But it's, it's just amazing how, how all of us, our sinful nature, when we get caught, that's the time we say we're sorry. But we're never sorry if we're not caught, Right? It's, it's, it's just who we are. And repentance is not like that. Repentance is different. It comes from the word metanoia, meaning there has to be a change of mind. Okay? There, are, there are many, many people in our day today okay, who argue that repentance has no place in salvation. They say all that you must do is just believe in Jesus Christ then you will be saved. Some people, you know, think of that. And they say that repentance, well, it can come later. Just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's easy, right? Yes, so you agree, right? But without repentance, that's not the true gospel. Repentance has to be there. There has to be a change of mind. Stephen Cole says that you cannot have true saving faith without repentance. If you understand the word repentance, according to Howard Marshall, he says, the word indicates a change of direction in a person's life rather than simply a mental change of attitude or feeling of remorse. In other words, it signifies a turning away from a sinful life and a godless life and turning to Jesus. It has to be an intentional change. If you're walking this way, it's like a 180-degree turn. You all know this, right? 
No. Okay. So, it, you know, here you are in sin, you're walking this way, and then God convicts you in your heart. Then you turn away, you repented, you turn away. It's a 180-degree turn. Because if you do a 360-degree turn, what happens is that you go back to where you are, right? It's the same thing. That's not repentance. That's called um, foolishness. But it is God who grants this repentance. It's not from you and me. You know, I can preach to the top of my voice today, and I can tell you everything about the Word, but it is God who does that, who convicts our hearts. In Acts, it says, when they heard these things, they fell silent. Just like you, you're so silent. And they glorify God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You know, the reality is, it is God who convicts us. Of course, the Word, the Word of God is here, but unless the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, convicts your heart, there will be no change. And all of us, the reason why we're all here is because God changed us from inside out. The reason why we're listening to this preaching of the Word because God convicted us. It is not just a remorse or guilt because we got caught, right? But it is something that changes us from inside out, from living a life of sin to living a life of godliness. That's what it is. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He says, For godly grief produces what? A repentance. In other words, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Godly sorrow produces true repentance. It's kind of like this. You offended a God who loved you so much, who, who actually created you and me. You offended Him because you have sinned against Him. But despite the sin that we have committed in life, He still gives us His grace. He still gives us His Son who comes here, who humbles Himself and says, I'll just take all the punishment of the world so that I can give you a better life. When you hear these things from God's Word, it changes something from inside. The truth is, I got saved because I realized how wretched a person I am. I got saved because I understood that this God I have offended, this God I have hurt so much, and all the years that I have spent in sin and disaster, He still comes and says, My son, I still love you. He still gives it up to you. That brings godly sorrow. That brings that... I cannot even explain how that feels unless you yourselves have experienced that. But it's that sorrow that brings us, that leads us to repentance. To say, God, I'm sorry, I have hurt you. That's the kind of repentance that we have. That's what Paul is saying. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. It leads us to being saved. 
it humbles us that a God, the God of the universe, would really give up His position as God, Lord, to be Christ, a servant, a Savior, to die for our sins. That's what we have. Are you getting this? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's something that hmm, produces repentance in all of us. And it leads all of us, guess where? To our own salvation. That's why it's an amazing thing, this gospel we have. We don't know the, the impact of this in every person's life. It changes us from inside out. And repentance, mind you, repentance is not a one-time thing. It's not. How many of you are born-again Christians? Can I see? Come on. And you're proud of it. Come on. Come on. I want to see. If you're not lifting up your hand, talk to me later. Okay? It does not happen when you got born again. It's not just a one-time experience. Repentance is, is, is something that you do on a day-to-day basis. Okay? It, it, did not, it did not stop when you got born again and you're okay. No. Repentance is like a daily thing. Okay? Um, in fact, um, if I, 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 was, I heard a preaching from Pastor Kevin Connor, and he, says, and he said to, this to us, to all the pastors, was saying, you know, every single day of my life, I come before the altar of God and ask for forgiveness. Do you know why? It's because... No one is really holy. Right? We are still sinners. Yes, we, are, we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but we're still sinning. How many of you have not sinned today? Lift up your hand. Right? All of us. That's why it's a day-to-day thing. You come in the throne of grace. That's what Gilbert was mentioning a while ago. You come to that mercy. Lord, mercy, forgive me for I have sinned. Every single day of our lives. Repentance really is done on a day-to-day basis. And it has to be seen in your life. In Luke, it says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. It has to be seen, okay? Huwag yung nalaglag yung prutas mo. Kailangan namumunga ka ng prutas ni Lord, Okay? You cannot, you cannot say that you are following Christ, that you understand the gospel, and yet there are no fruits to be seen. Ever wonder, you know, why some of the Christians, ah, Christiano pala yun? You know, it's, it's funny, it's really funny, but I have a friend, I have a friend. He's now in my small group. He says, you know, for the longest time, this guy that I know in our school, you know, for the longest time, that I, I, did, I knew him as my, my classmate, my schoolmate. And then after many years working, I get saved. And I see him in church. And I said, Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, bro, tagal na. <laughs> huh? What do you mean? When we were still in school, you were already saved? Oh, grabe naman. Hindi ko alam yun And it's amazing how, how we lived out our Christianity and not seeing those fruits of repentance. Ouch. Yeah, it, it does. Yep. So, yeah, it happened to me again. Yeah. Lalaglag yung prutas, di ba? Pag nagagalit ka sa, lalo yung, 
I don't know. I don't know what to do with the traffic anymore. I, you know, Lord, forgive me. Diba? And that's why it has, repentance is a, it's, it's a day-to-day thing. Because God is still sanctifying you, changing us from inside out. Because not all of it is still holy. We live in the flesh, right? Pinch yourself. Come on, pinch yourself. Oh, diba? You're still here, right? So we sin. But we need to repent on a day-to-day basis. And it has to be seen in our fruits. And lastly, Peter mentions this. He says, repent and be baptized. Talking about the third point, baptism. In verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of who? Jesus Christ. For what? The forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism, it's an individual response. Nobody can do that for you, okay? Can you attend the Victory Weekend and be baptized for me? You can't do that, right? Salvation really is a personal transaction between you and God, okay? It's not the majority. Just because everybody says, let's get baptized. Everybody goes to the waters of baptism. That's not it. Are you still here? Okay? Although we have mass baptism, but it's not it. It's a personal transaction between you and God saying, making a declaration now that Jesus is Lord. Steve Cole says this, Baptism is never just an outward ritual, but rather it is a public confession of one's private faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. Yes, it's public, but in essence, it is your personal commitment to God. That's what you're saying. And going back to Peter's time, in those days, okay, when you say that, ha, Jesus now is my Lord, okay, you are cutting your allegiance to Caesar. That's what's happening. No, uh, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus He's Lord. And then you come to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, okay, and you make it public, what's happening is that it could mean your death in those days. Right? That's why there are a lot of Christians during the time, the early, the early church, okay, they suffered persecution and death. We all know this. But not today. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Not today. Not in our day and age. Although there are some nations, actually, that persecute Christians and they kill Christians. But at least not here in the Philippines, not here in Manila, right? Even if there are no persecutions as they have experienced today, baptism really is still a, it's a good thing. Baptism is a public declaration, not just for the people out there to know, but this is between you and God, right? And get this, it is actually telling sin and Satan that I no longer make you my Lord. I'm saying, sin, that's not me anymore. I'm falling out of my allegiance to you. My allegiance now is Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. That's what's happening in the waters of baptism. And that's an amazing thing. Amen? Amen. 
How many of you have never been baptized yet? Don't lift up your hands. I have a good news for you, okay? Go see our concierge later on and just ask, how can I go attend a Victory Weekend? Okay, if you have never been, if you have never heard Victory Weekend, go ask our concierge, okay? They can help you, get you connected. Because if you really truly want to follow Jesus, you make Him as Lord and Christ over your life, right? Repent, turn away from sin, and be baptized. It's a public declaration now. And you say, Satan, you're no longer my Lord. Jesus is. So my main point is this, and as we end. The revelation that Jesus is Lord in Christ basically will enable us to really understand the gospel. Quite simple, right? But to do it, that's the biggest question. Can we actually make Jesus Lord over our lives? So what is the gospel? Okay, according to Dr. Rice Brooks, this is our definition of the gospel, our every nation movement, our victory movement. This is what we talked about as the gospel. Pastor Rice Brooks says, The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. Three days later, he rose again from the grave proving that he is the Son of God offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins for those who what? Repent, Repent and believe. believe in His name. And His name is Lord and Christ. That's the gospel. If you, are, if you have understood tonight's preaching, this is the gospel. Jesus is Lord and Christ over our lives. All we need to do is repent and be baptized. It's a simple message for the forgiveness of our sins that we may be saved. Amen? Let's just bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Lord, we just humbly come before you and open our lives before you. Lord, you know in our hearts what we need to submit to you. We know, God, that you know, we're not really perfect, but you've opened the door of repentance for us. And if, if you're here tonight and you know in your heart that you have not really given fully your life to the Lord, to the Lordship of Christ. In other words, there are still compromises in your life. In other words, you're still, you still have, you have sin that you can't get rid of. That is you. I just want you to, you know, silently come to God. I don't want you to lift up your hand. But I want you to come before God. This is between you and God. It's a personal transaction between you and God tonight. And just come before Him and say, God, I just want to repent of my sin. Whatever it is. If you're in a, you know, in a relationship that's not holy and pleasing to God, maybe just lift it up before God. That's me, Lord. I want to surrender to you. Maybe how you, how you do your transaction in the business is not holy and pleasing to God. That's me, Lord. Maybe you, you know, 
you've been taking what is not yours, you say, Lord, that's me. Maybe your time is not yet over, given over to the Lordship of Christ. You still waste your time. Maybe your finance, you're still doing double dealings. Anything at all that is sin before God, I want you to come before God tonight and say, God, that's me. I have not, you know, I have I've been running away from you and you have not been the Lord of my life. If that's you, just, just confess it before God in your own words. Lord, that's me. I just want to confess my sin before you. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you have forgiven my sins. So if that is you, let me just pray for you. Father, you know the people around us. You know us. You know us by name. You know what we have done in the past and even now. But Lord, we humbly come and just ask for your forgiveness. And from this day on, Lord, help us to follow you. Help us, Lord, to grow in your Lordship. Lord, I pray that today will be a day of change in our lives. It's going to be a new day for us. Thank you, Lord God, that we have received forgiveness and your blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God a clap offering for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, if you if you've been if if you've been touched by the word of God, if you have uh, you know experienced God today, and you're saying you know I want to give my whole my whole life to Jesus Christ, that is, I want to pray for you right now. Can you just bow down our heads? And if you're leaving, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, the rest of us, you just sit down and just close our eyes. That is, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can you just lift it up before God? Say, this time, Lord, I want you to be Lord over my life. That is, you just lift it up before God. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Let me just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that we have received the full gospel message today. And Lord... Would you, Lord God, bring your favor upon us, Lord, that the next steps that we will do is, a, is really a, a life of repentance before you. Lord, I pray for fruitfulness for every person who's here. In the name of Jesus.